0: Frankly, some of the trauma is directly related to having a differently wired brain. Those ADHD symptoms like struggling to pay attention, say, hello, lost keys, finding the organization process challenging, hello, lost file, having time blindness, like, wait, is this meeting now? They can add um, to our ease of getting burnout. And I, ease is really not the right word. We're more likely to get burnout because we have these other executive function challenges. And when we're in a hyper focus, that part of that time blindness equation, we may not sleep as well. We may not eat right. We may not take as good care of ourselves. I mean, missed meals, I rarely miss a meal. But occasionally, when I'm really deep in hyper focus, I don't. hyperfocus is awesome way awesome until the crash and there's always a crash we are human beings not human doings we cannot go 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 at some point we will crash you ever struggle with your fuzzy brain i do welcome to the uncluttered office podcast here i share what i've discovered from my challenges with adhd and chemo brain I'm your host, Catherine Avery. I'm a former Wall Streeter, now certified productive environment specialist and ADHD productivity coach with well over 20 years of experience in business, office design and productivity. I'm a badass cancer survivor and thriver, wife, mom of a teen and a cat and a lifelong geek. I'm old enough now to be proud of it. I've learned that whether we lose our keys, misplace our files, or constantly forget our appointments, we can design a work and home life that is simpler, easier, and fits who we are with our unique brains. I believe that to be truly productive, we need to learn how to be intentionally unproductive, a strange twist for a productivity coach. But hey, I love to ski, sail, and surf. Listen in and learn how to streamline your space and systems so you can be more focused, organized, and have more time to be intentionally Hi everyone, Catherine Avery of Catherine Avery ADHD Coaching and of the Uncluttered Office for ADHD Podcast. Yes, that is two name changes this week. I'll talk more about that at the end. I want to start with this wonderful review we received from J eight two zero one two. She said five stars. Love it for focus. I love this podcast for the way it makes me be able to focus from an ADHD lens. There are so many interesting topics and points that I'm able to think about later on. Catherine nails it. Thanks, J-Mom. That's amazing. I'm so grateful to you for leaving a review. So what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about burnout again because we're back in October here on this topic. I hope you enjoyed the month of September's planning episodes where you had a chance to do some planning at home to make your life a bit easier. I thought they were amazing. Huge changes in my life. So go back and check those September episodes out if you get a minute. And I want to (laughs) start, believe it or not, ironically, talking about a football game. My family are huge Penn State fans. My husband went to Penn State and we love to watch Penn State football. So Penn State defeated Auburn a couple of weeks ago. Sorry about that, Auburn. But I was there for one of the most vicious, very close games back in 2003 when Penn State played Auburn in the Capital One Bowl. It was in Orlando and it was on January 1st, 2003. I'm sure you're wondering how I remember the exact date. I'll get to that in a sec. It was raining cold and a complete nail biter. Penn State games usually are. The score was tight the entire game, and ultimately, the Lions succumbed to the Tigers. It was a crushing defeat. And my husband and I screamed the entire game. Because, you know, screaming was going to make the difference, right? (laughs) Apparently not. So you're probably wondering how I remember the game so vividly. It was a very important time in my life. Bob and I were planning our May wedding. We had just spent Christmas with his family, and I sang at church services, even though I was sick with a sinus infection kind of prone to sinus infections and um, they can affect your voice. We spent the week between Christmas and New Year's at Disney because that's, you know, the game was being played near there. So what the heck, right? Let's go to Disney World. It's so fun. We were engaged, no kid, super fun time at Disney, but the weather was awful. Most of the time it was raining. I was coughing. I was sick. I was miserable. And we were still doing Disney because, you know, young and perhaps slightly foolish um the night before the game which was new year's eve night our dinner reservation in epcot was delayed by several hours we were supposed to eat outside because it was raining and they were moving everybody inside which meant your reservation got pushed off and pushed off and pushed off i was sick i was exhausted i was hungry i was wet i was just miserable and so i said to my husband forget it i'm out let's just go back and says, we'll find somewhere to eat on the way to the hotel room no lie, New Year's Eve, the only place we could find to eat was Friendly's, the least romantic, but at least we got food and I'm sure we must have gotten some amazing ice cream. After the game, I blown my voice out completely. I was already starting to lose it between the sinus infection and singing and the weather, but the screaming threw it right over the edge. And when I got back, I visited my ear, nose, throat doctor and asked him like, what's this about? What do I do? I guess I wrote it down because I didn't have a voice. So it ended up I had a nodule in my vocal cord, and the only way to cure it was to rest my voice, which meant no singing and no talking for an indeterminate amount of time. And I'm a talker. <laughs> I joked that it made for a great start for our marriage. He was living with a silent future wife. It was very, it was very quiet. And I was really determined to speak my loud vows loud and clear on May 17th. And, you know, our minister had even made us memorize them. But it took three months to get my voice back. So that's probably it was about April before I could speak again, which was pretty much just in time for the bridal shower, the wedding, the honeymoon, you name it. And to this day, if I overuse my voice, I lose my voice. So I have to be very, very careful. I tell the story because all the signs Losing my voice, we're there. I knew I was beating it up. I knew I was sick and hoarse and miserable, and I ignored it and screamed anyway. Kind of like what happened this summer with burnout. In some ways, I didn't know that I was going into burnout because a lot of the symptoms looked like just another day with ADHD. So we end up not recognizing burnout until it's way too late. By normal definition, I am a high-achieving, successful person, and so are my clients. But what many don't understand about ADHD is we're not lazy. We work twice as hard to complete the same exact task. And sometimes the simplest things because of our executive functioning challenges are Herculean, saying Herculean is even difficult effort. Let's choose Sisyphus, it's a little easier to say for some reason, pushing that boulder uphill over and over again, it is no easy task. In fact, I sometimes wonder, since I talked about Sisyphus and Hercules, about college. How was an English lit major and American history minor in college? How did I read a thousand pages, analyze it, and retain it? I have no idea. Even my therapist said, you're too smart to have ADHD. What? Only my ADHD friends believed I have ADHD. Frankly, they wondered what took me so dang long to get a diagnosis. But with ADHD, we can have high highs and low lows. Today, everything feels like snap. It comes naturally. Tomorrow, I would be sucking wind wondering how I'm ever going to get out of my own way. Ironically, today was really easy and yesterday I was sucking wind. Either way, we soldier on. And if we're women, well, we're expected to do all the things. Welcome to our society and our culture. This is what is expected. We're expected to be the brains of the family to carry that mental load. It's exhausting. And if you add in ADHD, it's even more exhausting. So we work, we run the household, we make sure that the kids have what they need for school. We're in charge of remembering needed doctor appointments, where the favorite socks are, and which night hubby's playing golf. Making sure that there are no conflicts with all those things, right? The day my daughter started driving was a great day, and now I don't have to know half as much about where she's got to be when, other than just sort of have some knowledge of when she's coming home. So that all requires scheduling, and I have to tell you, if it's not on my calendar, it's not happening. In fact, many years ago, my husband insisted I put everything on a family calendar, and it has taken him years (laughs) to actually be good about putting his things on the family calendar, and he doesn't have ADHD, but I digress. So being the brain of the family, as I mentioned, is mentally and emotionally exhausting, right? You layer in that ADHD for me, seven years ago, I had chemo brain, put that all on top of it and forget about it. It's just not going to happen. This summer, I had chemo brain flashbacks as I recovered from COVID and had that brain fog again. And that COVID brain fog thing, yikes. I was probably sick for an entire month with COVID. And the COVID brain fog, I don't know, this is a few months later, has it gone away. It's a lot better than it was. At any rate, it's no wonder we have burnout. I just want to put in a side note about COVID and the pandemic and social media and all the things that are happening in the world right now. It's all a lot. And I contend that we are in global PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, right now. And I think that's the reason why everyone is talking about trauma and its effects. It's because we're all trying to process it. So if you're struggling with all this hitting you nonstop, all this information, a perfect example right now is today I'm waiting for a hurricane to hit Sarasota. I am not in Sarasota. My parents live in Sarasota. Thank sweet God they did not go. They were supposed to go to Sarasota today, the day before the hurricane. And fortunately, they decided not to. But I'm still interested because we are going to take a vacation down there. And I'm not sure where we're going to stay is even going to be there once this hurricane's over. It might be, it might not. We really don't have a clue what's going to happen. But it would be very easy for me to be sucked in to the media on this. I've had to put really firm boundaries about how much I watch of it. I sort of check in every few hours. To see what's going on, but the fact is, no one I know, thank God, is in harm's way. All my friends have evacuated. My parents are up here. Another friend is in another part of Florida, is a business colleague as well. I've checked in with her. Just so happens she's in Baltimore. She's not moving from Baltimore anytime soon. So easy peasy. So back to if you're struggling, if you're struggling, take a break. Put those boundaries in place. Don't just look at your TV, computer, or your phone all day long. You're going to drive yourself crazy. I'm telling you now. It will not kill you. Put the phone down. If you have to, put it in another room. I will frequently put my phone in the kitchen or at the bedroom away from my home office so that I don't have access to it because I can get swirly, go down that social media trap. And it's no bueno, especially for those of us with ADHD. We can kill a lot of time doing something that's not going to help. Like me watching TV isn't going to change the trajectory of the hurricane, right? It's just not. So what can you do instead? Take a walk out in nature. Go off the block. I walk every day with my neighbor and her dog. It is a blast. We love it so much. Nature is my lifeline. You may say, oh, your neighborhood. How much nature is there? Well, there's trees and grass and flowers and things. There's enough. Your body recognizes that greenness and absorbs it. And you get the sunshine. And I know sometimes it's raining. We actually do walk in the rain. uh, As long as it's not a major rainstorm. So that is an option, too. So I want to talk about ADHD as it relates to burnout. There are several schools of thought on how ADHD comes to be. One is that ADHD is environmental. It comes out of those little t traumas that we've experienced in childhood. You can check out Dr. Gabor Matei for this perspective. Hopefully I said his name right. And the other is that ADHD is a brain-based condition, that our brains are literally wired differently. And the guy to check out for this is Dr. Daniel Amen. He does SPECT imaging. I will put links to both of these folks down in the show notes. Here's where I stand. I think it's both. I have an ADHD brain, though I've never had the imaging done. As Someone who has 50 tabs open at any given time in my brain, who sometimes talks way too fast on this podcast. I can tell you, I'm pretty sure I have that super powered, super fast ADHD brain. I showed signs of it from a very young age, even though it went completely undiagnosed. I have also had childhood trauma. Frankly, some of the trauma is directly related to having a differently wired brain. Those ADHD symptoms like struggling to pay attention, say hello, lost keys, finding the organization process challenging, hello, lost file, having time Blindness like weight is this meeting now, they can add um, to our ease of getting burnout. And I ease is really not the right word. We're more likely to get burnout because we have these other executive function challenges. And when we're in hyperfocus, that part of that time blindness equation, we may not sleep as well. We may not eat right. We may not take as good care of ourselves. I mean, missed meals. I rarely miss a meal. But occasionally when I'm really deep in hyperfocus, I don't. Hyperfocus is awesome, way awesome, until the crash. And there's always a crash. We are human beings, not human doings. We cannot go, 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 go. At some point, we will crash. And as ADHDers, we work way harder, sorry folks, than our neurotypical counterparts because we have to manage all of these executive functions. Let me tell you, it's exhausting being me. <laughs> I'm also going to put in another little piece to this, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria, RSD. You probably hear folks talking about this a lot. And that is that we tend to get more easily upset when someone criticizes us in some way. So now you got all those layers, right? We don't have the executive functioning required to be perfect in school. We get ostracized, criticized, and belittled, and that's little T-trauma, okay? So see how you've got the ADHD-wired brain, and then these little T-traumas, because we go undiagnosed, or maybe even if we are diagnosed, we still take a lot of crap for it, and then we have those little T-traumas, and it's like a vicious cycle. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Thought you would enjoy these, some choice phrases from my school report card. Tell me if you hear any of these as little T traumas or as uh, something that would trigger some RSD. Uh, These first ones, not so much. Lack of preparation, loses notes, easily distracted. I read those three things and I said, uh uh-oh, it sure does sound a lot like ADHD. Interrupts a lot, apparently even interrupts myself. Um, Needs to improve quality of studies. Lack of confidence in academic abilities. And by the way, I would say that stems from all of those other things that are already on there. I was diagnosed a little bit later around 17, 18 with anxiety. Women, girls are frequently diagnosed with anxiety because of this whole cultural myth that we need to be perfect all the time. So we act like these little do goody, perfect people, and then we end up getting anxious. And then anxiety comes out. So it's not unusual to see, they call them comorbidities, I hate it, uh, that word, where you can have anxiety concurrent with ADHD. You can also have anxiety as your diagnosis, but you have ADHD underlying and you just don't know it yet. Here's the last one and the most painful of all, and this was definitely the RSD triggering one. Capable student, but own worst enemy. Probably wouldn't have been my own worst enemy if anyone had known that I had ADHD. Because I would have had executive function, coaching or tutoring or something in my world to help me get through it and have better study habits and better understand uh, the way my differently wired brain works. Before you say, oh, you're crying, woe is me. I'm not. I'm 56 years old. I'm almost 57. Nobody knew about ADHD in my school. It was really unusual for anyone my age to be diagnosed. And if you're saying to yourself, I see all these women, they're 35, 40, 45, 50, whatever age they are, and they're being diagnosed. And what the hell? ADHD is like the new pandemic or whatever. It's not that. It's that we were all missed as children because nobody knew. So Cut us all a little slack, folks. We're doing the best we can. We're trying to understand our ADHD. The other little piece to this, and I'm not going to go into this in detail because it's just too much for one podcast, is there's definitely a hormonal element when it comes to gals and ADHD. And for me, I was um, put pretty quickly into menopause because of having had cancer that was um, triple positive, which meant they'd had a progesterone and estrogen element to it. As we lose estrogen, as we go into menopause, estrogen has been that thing that like kind of mimics dopamine, it kind of serotonin, it kind of gives you that happy feeling that helps you stay focused, etc. As you lose your estrogen, you lose that. And then suddenly you start to see all this underlying stuff that you kind of could skate by on your estrogen. All right. that's all I'm going to say on that because it's way too much. So cable student, own worst enemy. A whole bunch of other factors. I just put in there just to like totally floor you and make you overwhelmed. Have I healed from these stories? Yes, I have. I've gone for a lot of therapy. I have done somatic emotional release, which is one of the modalities you can do to heal past trauma that's at the cellular level. I have done sound healing. I've done a whole lot of different uh, modalities to help heal from these stories growing up lazy, stupid, broken, and crazy. is a lot to overcome, right? There's no magic wand or happy rainbow pill for this stuff. If there is, could you let me know? That'd be great. I'd take a little rainbow pill. And I, by the way, I joke, but I do not want to belittle anyone who's taking medication. It's If you need medication, great. If you're taking medication, great. I'm not only because I already take medication for allergies and I take medication post-cancer and I didn't want to have to go through figuring out the different ways to take medication. It doesn't mean I'm not open to it. I am. I might take it at a later date, but just right now in my life, I mean, we're just coming out of a pandemic. It wasn't easy to see people or deal with medications or doctors or anything else. So I just opted not to take medication. Nothing wrong with taking medication. Also, nothing wrong with deciding you're going to use holistic and natural methodologies to get through ADHD and, you know, executive function coaches, et cetera. Quite frankly, it's not just pills. It's also skills, right? So it's not enough just to take a medication and think that's going to be like the magic Band-Aid. It's just not. So what were the symptoms of my burnout? Spoiler alert, many of them do look a lot like ADHD. I said that at the beginning. (laughs) You're going to see what I mean in a minute. Lack of motivation. Your joy is just sucked dry. It was really obvious to me when I was like non-enthusiastic about going to work that, and by the way, I love to work. I love my clients. I love what I do. It's so fun. It lights me up and on fire. And I didn't feel that way going into the summer. Exhaustion. All you want to do is sleep. And yet sleep might not come easily because you're freaking out about the endless to-do list. Pain, think headaches and stomachs, stomach aches. I didn't have a lot of pain. Maybe I had some, but that wasn't the main thing for me. Irritability, cranky factor of 10, or maybe a cranky factor of 11 on a scale of 10. I had some of that for sure. I was a little shorter. I wasn't as willing to be flexible around certain things. No bueno, especially in a family. Withdrawal or weepiness. No weepiness for me, which I found very interesting, but a lot of withdrawal. I wasn't hanging out with my friends as much as I used to. I really just wanted to be close to home. Uh, Your work may suffer because you've lost some focus. (laughs) It may end up on the couch playing Candy Crush for hours or uh, going down that rabbit hole of the news and social media. Don't forget to set that phone down. So what have I done to get better and how is it that I've healed so rapidly from burnout this go around because sometimes healing from burnout takes six months to a year and in the past burnouts that I've had that has been the case I'm going to say because I just got on it and knew that I was going to have to set some things aside right away so one thing that I've done is that I know my values and I've known those for several years they're health family and freedom and yeah, I said those in orders, which means that my health always comes first. So when I saw myself going down this rabbit hole of not feeling well, I went straight to starting to take care of my health. I make all my decisions from these three values, and that's always every time. It's much easier to create boundaries and create your schedule when you know what your values are. I had rituals. You might call these habits. Um, I have spiritual morning practice. You take time for me at the beginning of each workday. And I made sure that I really did it uh, all summer. And I still am doing this. If I don't do it first thing in the morning, it's not going to happen. Um, and it's amazing how even 15 minutes with a journal, meditation, writing my gratitudes, whatever that might be, starts the day off right. And then I end my work day with a neighborhood walk. So I work from home. So my evening walk is my commute, if that makes any sense. We need a way to shut off work at the end of the day. And if you work from home, you know, you're going to shut the door, but it's still there. Your office is, you know, on the way to the bedroom. You could stop in at, at any time. So having that ritual of a neighborhood walk with my neighbor at the end of the day allows me to shut down from work. It also helps me set the tone for family time in the evening. So it's a clear demarcation between work. And family. I would say I never work at night. It is my goal to never work at night. I'm going to say I rarely work at night. And by rarely, I mean maybe once a month I work at night. And that's because I'm attending a meeting or I'm running a meeting or giving a presentation. Not working at night is a hard boundary for me. My brain is toast. I know my energy flow. I've tracked it. It was many, many years ago that I tracked it. You do that by tracking your time and sort of writing an energy thing about your day high, low, medium, right? And over time, you'll see over a course of a couple of days, when are your high points of energy during the day? For me, they're very early in the morning, um, which is why I moved my workout from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. I didn't want to lose that brain momentum I have first thing in the morning. My brain is on fire in the morning. I am recording this at 3.15 p.m. I have no idea how I'm doing it because this is not a high point for my brain. Partly, it's because I have really, really good notes. I just let you in on the secret of how I'm managing to do this at 3.15 in the afternoon. I schedule a lot of meetings in the early afternoon. I love to get together with people. I really get lit up by it. Ideally, one-on-ones or maybe two or three people. I love to go out and have a business lunch with someone. That is how I sort of get through the afternoon. When I was in the midst of this in the summer, I opted to only work till noon. I am now working much more like until four every day. I have worked my way up to it. And it does not mean that that is every day. Some days I'm like, I'm done at two o'clock and I just have to stop. That was yesterday. (laughs) Today I'm still going pretty strong. If I have an evening meeting or a late afternoon meeting, I take a nap. I may not sleep, I may read a book, but I go away from technology. I get in bed with either a cup of tea or a cup of water, and a good book, and I either read or just fall asleep for a bit. There are plenty of countries where they have siestas. I can see why. You have a lot more energy at 6, 7 p.m. if you've had a little nap during the day. The other thing I might do is that I'm low energy, and I just need to change the scenery, is to move from my home office to, say, the back patio or the sofa, and I watch an educational video or I listen to a podcast So that's sort of the time, energy, attention piece of things. One of the biggies this summer was learning to let go. This summer, I had to delegate so much. My VA stepped up so much and took on so much. Thanks, CJ, my virtual admin. That she's now my business manager. She has literally taken over entire chunks of my business so that I can focus on the most important things I'm supposed to be doing, which is taking care of clients and finding potential clients. Not everything was perfect. Uh, No transition is seamless. There were a few minor mistakes made, very minor. The buck stops here, but the world didn't end. And this isn't brain surgery. We're not doing brain surgery. My clients are amazing. Perfection is another thing I let go of. I had to release the expectation that I would have a financially killer summer and fall. I did not. I kept my existing clients. And it's no, only now that I'm sort of emerging out of the chrysalis that I uh, was in while I was kind of baking and resting and healing and um, getting into those new client conversations. I'm very excited to take on new clients now. I did not want to bring on clients, new ones, until I was further into my healing journey. My existing clients, like I said, were amazing. They were able to give me a little space so I could get better. Some of them went to, say, every other week. CJ stepped in a couple of times for some group things, and it worked out fine. If you're in the middle of a burnout, it is really hard to bring in new clients. And that is because people can sense your energy. They know that you're not bringing your A game. They may not know why. They may not be able to pinpoint exactly what it is, but they'll sense it. sense that, right? And then they won't want to sign up with you because they feel like something's slightly off. And I got that. I knew that my energy was going to repel clients. So I'm back on my A-game. I'm starting to reconnect with them. I want to talk to you about my new definition of what an A-game is, because obviously, A-game was something along the lines of doing all the things, being perfect, and then that stresses you out. And I can't do that anymore. I have to let that go. So being healthy, owning my stuff so that I can show up fully, open to my clients, and so that I can hold space for them as they grow. That is what I call my A-game. Last but not least, within that letting go has been something I've been doing for a couple of years, but I really focused on one section of it in earnest this summer, and that was receiving school. I'm so in love with this program that I'm having Patty Lennon come on the show again next week. She's been on once before, but we're really going to delve deep into how does letting go, setting intentions, learning about what it means to have done your 100% help you recover from a burnout? unbelievable stuff. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I just want to say this. I tend to push to my 150 or 200%. What does that mean? It means I overdo it and then I burn out. It means that even after my body has said enough or my brain has said enough, I'm still pushing and going, right? That Sisyphus pushing the boulder up the hill, that has been me. And over the summer, I really stopped long enough to pay attention to what are the cues, those very subtle indications that your body and mind give. That helped me know I'm done for the day. It happened yesterday. And I could just feel my brain was just fading out. I was totally tired. It just nothing was working right. And so I just stepped away for a couple hours. I recognize that not everyone has this ability to do that. But even if you can like go in the ladies room at work for 5-10 minutes and take a deep breath, uh, maybe not a deep breath in the ladies room because it might stink, but you get the idea. Or walk around the block at your office. Do something to take you away from stuff when you're frustrated because you'll come back refreshed and better able to do it. So Penny and I are going to delve deep into this next week. It's going to be amazing. I don't want to give away too much of it. If you're struggling with burnout, this is the number one most important thing to take away from this podcast. The A number one, ask for help. Know that you are not alone. Don't go it alone. Ask for help. The biggest lesson I learned when I was going through cancer was you have to ask for help. It is very hard to do. It is very hard to learn how to receive. We are wired as givers, especially us ladies, and we don't know how to receive. And how you receive is just to say thank you. No expectation. You took care of someone at some point and the universe is great with it. Not a problem. So ask for help. You can contact a therapist, you can contact your spiritual guide person, you can contact a coach, you can contact me, I'm a coach. I am a certified trauma-informed coach, which means I do know how to deal with trauma in the context of coaching, which is very different from the context of therapy. There's very strong rules between the two, but I wanted to say that I am a trauma-informed coach. Any of those kinds of folks can help get you started on the path to healing. Two last things that have... Nothing to do with today's topic, but just because we're excited, you heard at the very beginning that we're rebranding. It is taking some time. (laughs) Mercury's in retrograde. We're having some tech issues, but there will be a new website. It will be at katherineavery.com. Until then, it is moving to productivitybydesign.com, meaning if you click the link katherineavery.com, it may go to productivitybydesign.com. If you're listening to this a little later, it's going to go to katherineavery.com, and it's going to be great. So it's Catherine Avery, ADHD Coaching. It fits much better. Productivity by design was no longer fitting where I'm going with my work. And I didn't want to retain that brand. There were just some issues with it. And it's a shame because I really loved the name. It was great, but it served its purpose and letting go, right? We're letting go to bring in new things. The second piece from Thursday, November 17th to Saturday, November 19th is the International Conference on ADHD. It's being held in Dallas, Texas. And on Friday night, 5 p.m. Dallas time, because, yeah, no one asked me about my energy levels and best time of day to do a speech. At P.S. 5 p.m. Friday is not it. I will be taking a nap beforehand. I will be speaking on how to organize your office for ADHD. So. I would love to see you there. There are live and virtual options. For those who are going virtual, you will not be able to see my session. My session is only being held live. Uh, But if you were in Dallas and you've heard this podcast, come up and say hello. I'd love to meet you and uh, get to know you better. So all these links, there were a whole bunch, right? Dr. Gabor Matei, Dr. Daniel Amin the International Conference on ADHD. All those links will be in the show notes. I am so grateful to be here with you. I hope you will enjoy this next phase of the journey. did not mention also rebranding the podcast. So it's uncluttered Office for ADHD now. That rebranding process was about a thousand times easier than rebranding the entire company. But I'm really excited about this. We talked more and more about ADHD on this podcast. It's clear. It's very important to me. And I know it's very important to you. And so I wanted the title to reflect that. Check out things in the show notes. Hope to see you in Dallas. Thanks so much for being here. If you love this episode or any other episode, please feel free to share with your friends. And if you want to give a review like J-Mom did, I would be eternally grateful. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Uncluttered Office Podcast